Hello and welcome to New Moon. We are Rue and Julie and we will be with you for the next 30 minutes to discuss how we see the future of lunar exploration and how to make it more democratized. Hi everyone. A couple of weeks ago, we were invited to a webinar organized by Rocket Women, a really cool organization, and our friend Supreet Kaur on Humanity 1.0. And we discussed some very interesting topics, including sexuality in space, the relationship between religion and space exploration, and democratization. We specifically discussed what democratization means in space today and what that should actually mean to us. Yes, indeed, it's important before talking about ways of democratizing space to understand the meaning of this word. If you look it up in a dictionary, the definition of democratization is the deliberate act of making something accessible to everyone. If we think about space exploration, historically, it has been conducted by states and especially states that had the economical and technical capabilities of doing so. But in the last 10-15 years, this has drastically changed. Technological advances have reduced the size and the cost of equipment, making it more affordable for many to join in space exploration. And we see, for example, commercial companies that are increasingly able to provide space-related services. Big, but also smaller companies are today able to get to space. Private companies have also been able to reach the moon. If we think about the Beersheet lander in 2019, it was the first private mission to reach the lunar surface. And even if it crashed, we can say that it kind of started a new era for space exploration. Right, Rob? Yeah, sure, Julie. I really agree with all of those sentiments. I think over the years, we've even begun to see developing countries joining the so-called space race. A number of different space agencies are sprouting across the developing world. And we're seeing keen interest in space issues, especially from the youth. But we also have to think that democratization shouldn't just mean greater accessibilities for more actors. Today, you've just described how democratization in space suggests that the means of production for space advancement are available to all, whether technology, knowledge, resources, or otherwise. But is it really like this? Is this accessibility really inclusive for actors that in the past have been excluded from space exploration? Democratization should mean that there is a new equitable and inclusive access to space. And for us, it should be a space industry where emerging and developing nations can contribute and benefit from the use and the exploration of outer space without barriers. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be great for us to define these concepts before we head into the discussion. So what exactly do the terms accessibility, equity, and inclusiveness mean? Well, accessibility, as you correctly mentioned, refers to the means of production, such as technology, knowledge, and resources, and the condition that these means are available to all. Seems simple, right? Well, the discussion will show that this isn't really the case at the moment. And that goes for the definition of equity and inclusiveness too. Equitable and inclusive space would entail a space industry where emerging and developing nations can actually contribute and benefit from space exploration without barriers. 
Those last two concepts are really vital and I think they deserve a deep dive. Equitable means access, which prioritizes the needs and empowerment of vulnerable and marginalized communities, emphasizing collaboration as well. Inclusivity, on the other hand, means providing channels of engagement and participation without prejudice or discrimination on the grounds of gender, sex, race, religion, or even nationality. We use the word equitable and inclusive quite often. Perhaps an example might make the ideas more concrete in our minds. Right, so a first distinction should be made between the concept of equity and the different one of equality. Equality is when I'm giving the same support to everyone without understanding the different needs. Equity means giving different support to different subjects, understanding what they need and how these needs can be addressed. If I have in front of me two kids, the first one has two apples and the second one has only one apple. Equality means I'm giving one apple each, but in the end, the imbalance will stay the same. So equity means that I'm giving only one apple to the first kid and two apples to the second one, so that in the end, both of them will have the same amount of fruit. That's really an excellent way of putting it. It's great to have examples of how we perceive these terms. And in fact, during our last webinar, we received some awesome feedback on what people deemed democratization, equitable, and inclusivity all to mean. I suppose we should probably look at a few of these examples and, and have a quick discussion, shall we? Yeah, of course. So some interesting responses were that democratization means equal opportunity to develop and contribute for a better society, or also to create more transparency and knowledge for everyone. And I think this about transparency is really critical. Also, if we look at the Outer Space Treaty, one of the less famous article, Article 11, asks to state parties that are conducting activities in outer space to inform the Secretary General of the United Nations, as well as the public and the international scientific community of the nature, conduct, locations, and the results of such activities to the greatest extent feasible and practicable. This article has not been widely used. I believe there have been only 20 notifications or so uh, until now. But it will be probably become more important with lunar exploration once there will be a more pressing need to coordinate activities on the lunar surface and therefore there will be a major need to be transparent on the activities that are being conducted on the moon. But let's look also at other definition. Someone else suggests that uh, democratization should be a freedom of act with international collaboration. Or also, another definition is about access for a broad audience. Do you see any other interesting definition? Definitely. I think some of my favorites also included, someone mentioned the ability to give everyone in a particular group the same agency. So to afford them the same access to social or economic or natural resources, just like uh, the example you shared with us earlier. And another response which was quite interesting was the idea of, of making provision or making resources accessible to the most amount of people. So the more people that we can reach out to who can have these resources beneficiated to them, that will really support the definition of, of democratization and inclusivity and access for all, regardless of the age, the gender, 
nationality or your sexuality as well. So at the end of the day, the sense that I got from the audience was that equity and inclusiveness should be for everyone, regardless of certain characteristics. So what we're trying to do is create a space industry that enables everyone who participates, all of the different stakeholders, and especially promoting the interests of typically marginalized participants. I think all of these differences are all important and all correct. And it just goes back to what we were saying before. Granting access is simply not enough. We need to also make sure that there are conditions in place to guarantee that access and that this access is factually possible for especially marginalized and minority communities. Yeah, this is totally true. And access is a word that we saw multiple times in this definition. I was also reading another definition which says to make everyone involved have a voice. And I think this is really important for space and lunar exploration. It was also to me kind of reminiscent of a previous discussion we had on securing the social license to operate. Do you want to tell us something more on this point? I think you have been working on that too. That is correct. I have been working on research pertaining to the social license. And, you know, when we're discussing the social license, it's it's one aspect of the social contract, I would say. And that is securing the support of the community that is affected by these activities. So I'll give an example from the mining industry. Before a big mining corporation begins to excavate in a certain zone, they will likely have to have gotten the permission of the surrounding community, of course, because of the environmental impact that such activities will have. They need to be made aware and their interests need to be taken care of. Well, we transplant that same concept to outer space instead. And now we ask, who are the people or who are the beneficiaries most likely to be affected by these activities? And do we have their support for this mandate? Do we have the go ahead? Because again, if you look at, you know, symbolic heritages like the moon, there are certain cultures that ascribe so much symbolism and so much respect and so much cultural heritage in the moon, that it's important for us to ask the question of what do different cultures interpret as acceptable activity? How can we make sure that they are feeling included and recognized? And for that, we need a social license. So in this particular case, which is the community? The community is all humankind because we're all beneficiaries of outer space. So our job now and what we're trying to achieve, not only with the research, but even with this podcast, is to try and get as many voices as possible, to try and ascertain the social license to operate by engaging all of the different stakeholders. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, and I love the concept that the community is all of us humans, and probably not only humans, but the entire range of living species in the universe. It is a big question of how we make sure that this collective soul is actually represented in the future of lunar exploration. And I think it is also connected to the other question we made to our audience, that was, how would you make space accessible to all? Because to involve all of these voices, we need to make sure that all of the voices have some way of a gather for entering this future exploration of the moon. And one of the best ways probably is education. Actually, indeed, I think 
we saw in the responses from the public that the access to space exploration could be actually guaranteed through better education programs at all levels. And so probably this would be a way to make space more accessible to everyone. And again, also here we see how making information available to everyone is the most critical point. So by developing the knowledge, the understanding of space and the understanding of our role in space exploration, we could guarantee that all nations and all individuals are empowered to engage in decision-making process that are concerning the future of humanity in space. And of course, the inclusiveness must start in our daily life. So we must create also here on Earth the examples of inclusivity and equity that we want to bring to the moon. And going back to education, it is important really starting from a young age because it can really make even little kids see how they can be engaged and they can contribute to the future of humanity and the future of humanity in space. And you, Ro, have been working a lot on, on this kind of projects in Zimbabwe. So maybe you can tell us something more about it. Yeah, I definitely agree with the need for us to create more educational programs. I think both of us have experienced at one point or another the frustration of not having access to all of the different resources you need to develop a well-informed opinion about space law trends. And you can only imagine then that across different jurisdictions, the level of access will be quite different and difficult as well to navigate. So one way in which I suppose we can try and support this, as you correctly said, is to share information, share even the privilege that we might have had to come to know certain things and uh, translate that information in a way that is acceptable to the audience. And I'm working on two very interesting projects right now, which I think speak to the development of these capacity building programs. And one of them, of course, is a space education curriculum for children. That's my target audience here in Zimbabwe. And coupled with that, we're using interesting and creative ways to get them excited about space. So that also brings in project number two, which is a comic book. And using these two mediums, using, you know, video lectures, podcast episodes, visual media, we hope that that will inspire kids to want to take up space. And I suppose likewise, when we're teaching people about space, we need to be aware of our audience and figure out how or what is the most appealing way to send this information to them in a way that they'll be receptive and in a way that they will feel seen. So correctly, so education and outreach is a very big factor. And uh, we continue to do the research as well that enables the outreach. And uh, congratulations, Judy, for being appointed as the co-lead of the Space Law and Policy Project Group for the Space Generation Advisory Council. And maybe you can also tell us a little bit more about the research that's being done in that working group and how it can help to foster education and outreach, especially for space law. Yeah, I think that the, the role of younger generations is uh, really important. And uh, SGC is doing a great job in advancing the voices of um, younger people and bringing those voices to international fora. 
I've seen with ASGC how diverse is our community and also how it is important to educate ourselves on this concept of diversity, equity, inclusiveness, and not only just lawyers and policymakers, but everyone that is involved in space exploration. Indeed, we have many engineers in our team that are willing to understand how to make their work in a more fair and just way. For example, now we are working on some project on resource utilization on Mars and the aspects of planetary protection that need consideration. We need to consider when exploring Mars or any other celestial body of the possibility, for example, of finding life and the way of protecting this kind of life. So in the end, we need to create a balance between the different aspects of space exploration because space shouldn't just be our advancement to our planets, but it is a most important ethical question on how we are doing it, how we are exploring space, and what are the values that we are bringing with us to space. And I think that the values that we are discussing here today are some of the fundamental ones. So making space accessible, but really accessible in a way that is inclusive for all categories of people and that is equitable. And the exploration of space shouldn't be a colonization of space, as we often read in newspapers, but it should be a fair exploration of it that consider other celestial bodies and the moon part of a system we also belong to and that we need to preserve. And I think only a different mindset, this mindset that takes into account all these different values will allow a different exploration that is different from the kind of the exploration that we saw in the past, even here on Earth. I think there's a great sense to want to do things differently, especially now that we're going back to the moon, we're going to Mars. We don't want to repeat, you know, the tragic history that we've seen usually when it comes to new settlements. So I think aside from also determining some of these values, we also need to place mechanisms and institutions that help support them. And I think the most important as well is redirecting funding to the communities that need it the most, I suppose. And I I love that you touch on having a balance. I was in a conferences past week where one of the speakers mentioned something that has stayed with me. And that is that every space industry is made up of three things. It's made up of exploration, technology, and the last one was research. So when you have all of these three operating together, you have a fully fledged space industry. But you'll find that, especially when it comes to developing or emerging countries, that they fall short on the technology and Technology is sort of the enabler for exploration. So you already have two nodes that are affected by by that. So what we need to do is also find mechanisms to divert resources so that the technology necessary to engage fully in the space industry is accessible to everyone. If you consider that in the 1960s, The technology that was used to put the first man on the moon, I wouldn't quite say it's reached, you know, all nations in the world, and that's problematic. So we need to transfer that capability, even down to what we would deem basic space infrastructure like satellites. Developing countries are still building even satellite capability. So we need to 
create more development finance so that we can speed the process along and foster more international collaboration and reach our goals quicker. But I I really appreciate all the work that everyone, such as yourself and the team at the SGAC are doing to contribute towards research, especially because that for me would be the foundation of democratization, I think. Yeah, I was thinking now how we could learn from other fields. For example, now I'm thinking about astronomy because I've been working in the astronomy field in these months and I've been seeing how astronomical observations are conducted and also how the astronomy community is collaborating with other actors. And I really think that astronomy envisions how space activities should be as it incorporates all the most essential principles of space exploration, of international collaboration, benefit sharing and transparency. Just think about astronomical observatories now. And the most important astronomical projects nowadays are existing thanks to international collaborations. And also our observatories are open worldwide. Indeed, I think most of the main international observatories are open to researchers from all over the world. And also astronomy is a very transparent activity where usually data are shared internationally and has been so since the the start of our exploration of space centuries ago. And I also believe that in this field, a more significant involvement of the developing nations could be guaranteed because as you were saying, maybe countries from the global south today don't have the necessary facilities to conduct space activities. But for example, they could still have the ability to elaborate and work on the data that are gathered elsewhere by other operators. And so they could, for example, work on astronomical observations, not conducting directly observations, but working on the results of those observations and on the data that have been obtained. And I think this is a way, one of the first way of sharing the benefits of space exploration. What do you think about it, True? Definitely. I think that astronomy has a big role to play, especially now that we are moving to this big data economy and a lot of our supermassive data is coming from astronomical observations. But again, you see that developing countries are lagging behind because of a lack of infrastructure. In Africa, when you discuss the space industry, it's mainly in reference to the satellite industry. Very few countries are actively involved in astronomy This just goes to the lack of infrastructure like telescopes, but there has been progress in this regard because the Square Kilometer Array, which is going to be the largest radio telescope arrangement and array in the world, is being developed with Africa in mind and to pursue greater space exploration. So again, the concept of regional collaboration goes a long way in helping us achieve democratization. But, you know, there's so many different aspects that we could look at when discussing democratization. I mean, we've touched a little bit on resource utilization. We could also have a lengthy conversation on space traffic management and even space debris mitigation. So, you know, the the possibilities are endless. Yes, it's true. And uh, indeed, I think we have provided for today enough food for thoughts to our audience. I think in the next episode, we can discuss some of the more feasible solutions to address these uh, democratization challenges. Great. So thank you very much for joining us today and keep discussing with us on our social media. You can find us on uh, Instagram and on Facebook. 
please feel free to leave us some feedback and to join us in this discussion on social media. Thank you, Julie. And thanks to everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and we look forward to seeing you again in our next episode. This is it from Julie Andrew. You are listening to New Moon.